but the ghost tours were a different matter. They arrived each night at eight o'clock on the dot. A band of tourists marching like a ragged army behind a tall man with a long, pale face who wore a voluminous black Victorian cape and a tall silk hat. He reminded Carmel of an extra from a Jack the Ripper movie. But rather than moving through the swirling mists of Whitechapel, this particular ripper stalked the summer streets of Eberby, recounting tales of spooks and grisly executions. There seemed to be no end, Carmel thought, to the public's appetite for horror. But as far as she was concerned, the ghouls were welcome to it. After what had happened to her father, she'd had her fill of violent death. One evening she had looked out of her window to see the guide pointing directly up at her flat. And sometimes... If the window was open, she could catch the odd word drifting upwards on the evening air. Plague. Girl. Face. She had no idea what the man she had begun to think of as Jack the Ripper was telling his audience, but she was beginning to find his regular visits a little unsettling. If people were staring at her window, she would have liked to know the reason why. So far she'd discovered that number five Vickers Green had originally been one wing of a larger house, the former home of some prosperous city merchant built in the late 15th century. Her flat on the first floor of number five was small, one bedroom, living room, minuscule kitchen, and a tiny shower room off the bedroom. But she loved the way the bare floorboards creaked, and no two walls stood at exactly the same angle because the house had twisted and settled with the centuries. If she lay in bed at night and thought about all the people who had lived and died there, her imagination supplied a thousand stories, happy and sad. There were nights when she lay awake, listening to each groan of the timbers and each thump of the plumbing. And sometimes there were nights when bad dreams made her wake up in terror, when she saw her father's dead face smiling at her, a trickle of blood dribbling from his lips. But although the past held terrors, the present, too, had horrors of its own. The papers were full of Eberby's two recent murders, and each day the headlines screeched out more grisly speculation. They had called them the churchyard killings at first. Then some bright spark in a newspaper office had named the killer the Resurrection Man, a catchy label that had caught the public's imagination and stuck. Carmel did her best to put all this unpleasantness, past and present, out of her mind, as she made herself something to eat, something warm and comforting, beans on toast, childhood food. Then at ten past eight, she looked out of her small, leaded living room window onto the green below. Jack the Ripper was there again, talking, gesticulating, and pointing up at her bedroom window. Carmel fought a sudden impulse to rush downstairs and find out exactly what it was about her new home that these ghoulish tourists found so fascinating. Perhaps she'd pluck up the courage to ask Peter Thewlis one day at work. Or maybe she'd join the tour herself one night. She might even learn something about the hidden history of her newly adopted city. The bits they didn't put in the guidebooks. After ten minutes, the ghost tour moved on making its way to the flesh ambles, the ancient street of the butchers, where the shops overhanging upper stories almost blotted out the sky. That thin street, which must once have reeked of blood and rotting flesh, was gloomy, 
even when the sun was shining. No doubt there'd be something nasty there to keep the ghoulish tourists interested, Carmel thought, switching on the TV and settling down on the sofa. As she watched the flickering images, she planned the rest of her evening. She would have a shower and an early night, curled up with a good book. Then she gave a snort of derision. She was twenty-three. Perhaps she should be putting some energy into getting herself some sort of social life. But things are never easy for a stranger in a strange town. And besides, she knew that sometimes she wasn't good company. At ten o'clock, she heard the cathedral clock striking the hour, and she turned off the TV before making for the bedroom, wondering why she always felt a thrill of something akin to fear when she crossed the threshold of that small, low-beamed room with its cool blue walls.